This podcast has been brought to you by Maggie's Place and Anchor, sharing stories of inspiration and our nonprofit's mission via podcast. And we're live. We're live. Welcome, everyone. Happy Monday. Does my voice sound amazing? Because we have official podcasting studio going on now. So crisp. Oh, it is so crisp. So fresh. So fresh. Fresh. <laughs> fresh. Thank so, you, Pinky. We have amazing um, new microphones and headset. Thanks for the exciting support from our podcast sponsors. Yay, we're so excited. Thank you for tuning in and sponsoring our podcast. And it's Monday morning. And oh, my, my, uh, I liked it better where it was before. Sorry, see, we're still learning the new equipment. I'm like deaf. So just oh. like, oh, no, no, not I'll be yelling. But. I was driving here, and someone was being very rude behind me. They were honking at me nonstop. Like, they wow. wanted me to, like, squeeze left. And I was like, I'm not going to fit. Like, I'm going to get in a wreck. Like, calm down. And they were, like, totally, like, honking their horn. It was really... A lot for Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. This was at 6.30? No, this no. was later. This was at, um, no, this was later. I was on a conference call and driving, but I was driving safely, hands-free. So, but the good thing I had my phone muted because this guy was, like, really having some road rage. So, wow. angry wow. motorcycle driver, I hope your day gets better. Yes. <laughs> Tune in to a very calming podcast, I <laughs> yeah. think. And then listen to Maggie's place. Oh my gosh, <laughs> So welcome. Is this how I turn myself down a little bit? Okay, so we are here today, and today we're going to do it a little bit different. We are going to um, take a peek into what it likes to go through the process of, of doing an intake at Maggie's place. So... Um, we know here at Maggie's Place that we answer our intake line. Alicia answers it. We're going to be talking to Alicia in a minute. Uh, she answers our intake line approximately 20 hours a week. Um, we would love to answer it more, but it's, it's a funding issue currently. And from the 20 hours a week that we answer our calls and the, the data that we collect on those calls, we know that we are turning down around 70 women a week who would qualify for shelter. And that doesn't include, and Alicia can speak to it, on you know a Monday morning when we see there's like 147 missed calls or something. So those aren't counted in those, in those numbers. So we just kind of wanted to let our listeners hear about our intake process and how moms you know, get into, into Maggie's place. Last year we housed 170, or 107 moms and their infant, infants and children. And so, um, just, you know, how does this process begin? So, um, I wanted to start by having Alicia introduce herself. Alicia, if you could just say hello. Hello, good morning. Um, good morning, Alicia. Good morning. Thanks for having me today. Um, do you guys have any April Fool's pranks? Because... Oh! oh I totally forgot! I totally forgot about that. Um, so, so, so just dive in. Dive, dive, just tell us a little bit about yourself, yeah. Okay. 
Um, Were so, you about to have an April Fool's for us? No, <laughs> I I'm, I've been too sick to plan that this year. Oh. I've done that before. Usually I do one. Usually I usually do one. I gotta think of one to do. Yeah, I think my youngest daughter was so uh, nervous in anticipation that April Fool's <laughs> jokes yeah. were gonna be a, about abundant at her school. Yeah. Um. So I've been at Maggie's place for almost two years in July. Um, <gasps> yay! yay. Uh, it's like you don't realize it until people ask you, right? Because you're not really thinking about it. But I, I can't believe I've almost been here two years. That's which, crazy. I can't yeah, believe it either. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, initially I I started doing family coaching, which is our, um, our ward for case managers here at Maggie's Place. Um, and then I started doing the intakes about, what is it, Six to eight months ago, I believe. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely been a huge learning curve for me, um, but I do. I, I love what I do. Um, I love the service that we provide for for our moms, our pregnant moms, and their families. Um, I feel like you know when we help um, our pregnant moms, it's not just for them, right? It's for entire generations. So. Um, I'm super thankful that we get to do that here. Alisa, you, you have a really great podcast voice. <laughs> it's because I'm sick. It's like Phoebe uh, from Friends. Yeah. <laughs> when she's sick and she sings. Yeah. yeah she's a rasp. Yeah. So, Alisa and I were conversing earlier, and um, I like the way she described where what the job she did before, her job functions before, um, versus what she's doing now, um, and just kind of listening to what the, you know, the delineation between the two and I thought it was really neat how you described family coaching as resources and then what you're doing now is just being that first point of contact and kind of going through you know the steps in that so can you describe what it's like um, your Monday what a typical Monday looks like for you other than coming on this amazing podcast yeah no, how many missed calls were there over the weekend today, today. Um, 41 Okay. So it's not. It wasn't as bad as it normally right. is. The weather's still pretty decent. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think uh, a couple more weeks will definitely hit. You know the hundreds or. Yeah, it's it gets um, really bad in the summer. You know, it's just unbearable to be out in the streets. Um, not not just you know if you're pregnant, but like the entire homeless population is really hard. So. Um, so yeah, so a typical Monday morning, um, I come in um, right at nine o'clock. If we have any openings, is when we'll open up a spot. So at nine, I'll just take some calls. If okay. we have a, an opening, I'll take some calls, do a pre-screening if we haven't already done so to determine uh, eligibility. Okay. So we go through a few a few questions to determine that um, if they're pregnant, of course. Um, they're 18 if or over. 18 or over. 18, um, if they have any other children in their custody or care. Okay. Um, if they, or when the last time, when was the last time they used any drugs or alcohol? Um, so are you, so when someone, do you return the calls that were missed? 
Yes. You so okay. um, so then I go through all the missed calls and the voicemails. Okay. Um, and I have a, a notepad and I just go down the list, you know, number all the calls, um, write down their name and number, any details that they left in their email. That way I'm prepared when I call them back. Okay. So let's say a mom calls and, and says um, she's homeless, but she has other children with her then I already know that we're not the right fit for her. And so I call back with my resource list okay. um, so I can provide that for her. Okay. Other than, so if the mom does qualify, um, I just tell her um, if we have an opening, we can move forward if she is eligible um, to schedule an intake in person, which is about 45 minutes up to an hour sometimes um, in person here at the office. Um, and then, if we don't have any openings, we just say, I just, I want you to keep calling every day, Monday through Friday, right at nine. Your chances of getting in are, are pretty good if you stay consistent okay. um, at calling right at nine. Okay. So. so typically it's the mom that's contacting intake or trying to get in as opposed to a community resource that you collaborate with. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. For the most part, but sometimes we do have great, um, organizations that will sit there with their uh, participants um, make those calls with them which okay. is I think it's huge because uh, they're in such a vulnerable state you know um, when, when you're pregnant period you know you're just right my emotions were all over the place when I had my kids and um, and I just can't imagine uh, facing homelessness at that point um, so I like I really am so thankful for the organizations that sit with the moms and make those calls with them. Um, or sometimes I also have family members who are just, you know, trying to help. Um, I have grandmas calling me. I have aunts, uncles uh, calling for their, um, for their loved ones. So. Wow. Okay, so a typical intake call is around two minutes, and then you kind of go through... The pre-screening. Pre-screening, okay. Yeah. And then, um, then you'll... What happens after that? So after the pre-screening, if someone is eligible and if we have an opening, we schedule that intake in person. Um, we try to do it as, as quickly as possible. Um, after the initial intake, I staff the entire intake with my supervisor, Emily. Uh, you guys have heard her on the podcast before. Um, after we uh, staff the intake, then we make a decision if we'll move forward with the second intake. So it is a two intake process here. Um, if we do move forward, then I get a hold of the uh, house staff uh, to review the intake, make sure we're all on the same page, and then I call the mom or the intake, let her know we are moving forward, and to provide the house name and the number to oh. call to schedule that second intake. Okay. So that is on them as well to schedule. Yeah. Make sure that people that are just kind of coming into this, and, and this might be their first podcast episode, understand the importance yeah. of that role that you're playing, and that's the initial um, voice that they're hearing, the women are hearing, um, and really that's their first lifeline into yeah. Maggie's place. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So I wanted to pause and share uh, a few statistics that I think help help make this easier to understand. So Maricopa County is the fourth, fourth largest county in the United States, and we are the fastest growing county in the United States, according to the Census Bureau of 2016. That Census Bureau said that we were gaining an average of 222 people daily 
Um, they attributed that from people coming from elsewhere in the United States, natural growth, so more births than deaths, and international migration. So the growth is good in Maricopa County, but there are a lot of challenges coming um, with that growth. And I think I've heard current estimates even over the 222 people per day, more in the 250 to 260 people per day. Um, some other interesting statistics is that um, about 15% of Maricopa residents live in poverty. And Maricopa has nearly double the number of female-headed households with children age five and under who live in poverty. So female-headed households would be um, women who are raising children on their own. Um, we also have some other statistics that state that um, this is from the National Center for Health Statistics, indicating that Arizona's birth rate unmarried mothers is the eighth highest state in the nation. Our teen birth rate, which stands at 26% of all births in Arizona, make us the 15th in the nation. So just, just to give you an idea, when we're talking about homelessness in Arizona, the homeless point in time count shows that homelessness has increased 60% in two years. And it also stated that there were a lot of people who were unsheltered, increased 25% in the last year. And the largest increase was among uns unsheltered single youth who may or may not have been pregnant. So I just think it's important that if you're listening that, that people really understand that there's such a, such a high need in Arizona um, we also have Arizona and Maricopa County had a 30% increase in human trafficking since 2016. So this, all of these different, this growth and these different statistics about poverty and homelessness and um, you know, births to unmarried mothers and to, to teens really plays into, I think, the, the number of women that are calling that Alicia is speaking with. And so, so let's, can you, so if I don't qualify after the pre-screen, um, what, can you tell us about what you do to, to help the women who don't qualify? Yeah, so, um, e so even if it's in a voicemail, you know, and I already know they don't qualify, I return every single call. Um, but again, you know, I come, I call uh, prepared um, with other resources to provide for them. Um, if it is a mom who I just did a pre-screening with and I have her on the phone, it's never easy answering or like letting them know that they're not eligible. Um, but we just, we had to get through it. And, you know, a pretty often meeting that I have with Emily and Julie is when I have to say no to a person because it's so hard. Um, and especially a person that's come in and, and done an interview, yes. I think, is the ones yes. that are the most difficult. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, within our intake line, I know that, you know, there's so many shelters that are um, just, you know, we all, they're just understaffed, right? But I think it's, a, it's important that we call people back. So um, I've had times where I've answered the intake line for a few weeks when we've been um, you know, having a staff change or had staff on vacation. And you hear in, in the women's voices, like, thank you for calling me back. Like, no one ever calls me back. Yes. And, and I think it, it feeds that fear and that, that hopelessness 
feeling that they're experiencing to never have anyone call them back and like to feel like you're calling and calling and leaving message after message and 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 you're never hearing back yeah. Yeah. so I think that that's something really important that we do and and important to continue doing to really uphold the dignity of of the situation of that any woman in crisis is facing definitely um and so I guess you know what my supervisors always tell me um this is not about us just saying no it's about getting um the intake mom the help that she needs and so she doesn't qualify it's for a reason and we can't provide those services so let's get them the services that they need so then you know i i provide them um with those at least a, a few uh, to keep calling um or sometimes i just send them the, the entire email or an email with the entire attachment for all of the resources and just tell them hey like go down the list you know um or if I know of a specific contact or a person that would be able to help them, then we provide that for them as well at that point. Do you find that a lot of the role is really just encouraging hope and being the voice of hope at the other end of the line? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, even, and I don't, I don't like taking, like people are so thankful, like you said, because we're on the phone with them or on the phone with them, period. Um, I had the sweetest call the other day with the grandma, um, who was just really wanting to help her granddaughter. Um, and Emily, we, we were laughing in her office because she's like, what did you do? Why are you like, why are you acting weird? It's because I couldn't say no to this grandma, you know, because it's giving her so much hope for her granddaughter, right? For me to go the extra mile and call her granddaughter instead of her calling us. I'm more than happy to do that, right? Because I know what it feels like to be on the other end of like being worried about someone you love, mm -hmm. right? And so, so yeah, I think um, at least if we can provide that little bit of hope, it goes a very long way, yeah. And so tell us about um, doing an, an, an intaking a mom in person. So if someone has met the basic qualifications and and I will say our basic qualifications are, are very few it's are people adult are they pregnant um, we ask them to be clean and sober more because we are happy to have women come um, if they're leaving rehab we just need to make sure um, that they don't need to go to rehab first and then come live at Maggie's place to like an inpatient rehab facility and then um, about 60 or 60 to 70 percent I don't have my my dad in front of me right now related to that but I know um, actually I should just find it hold on let's just find it um, a lot of our women have exper are experiencing domestic violence or have experienced domestic violence and and that's something that we work with a lot we do have to make sure though that they are not um, fleeing immediate domestic violence so if they are being, um, you know, pursued per se, we have to find them um, someplace safer to go that has this available security, and then they they would be eligible to come, maybe after that after that a stay at that shelter. Um, so those are a few of our qualifications. So, our right, those are our basic qualifications. So if if someone meets those and we have an opening, then they're coming to our office 
uh, for a in-person intake with the mom and Alicia. So can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like, Alicia? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of funny when moms come into the office. Everybody's so so nice and everybody offers everyone water. You know, do you need water? Do you need the restroom? Do you need a snack? Um, I had an intake not long ago um, and this this intake mom just just had a really cute laugh, you know, because I was probably the third person who, to offer her water. And I was like, someone offered you water already, didn't they? And she just nodded and, you know, we kept walking back to my office. Um, so, so yeah, um, we, the intake process, the in-person is about 45 minutes. Um, we just asked for three forms or three documentation or documents, um, a form of ID, proof of pregnancy, and if you have access, your access ID card, but it's not um, a huge deal, I guess, if you don't have that, but mainly proof of uh, pregnancy and a form of ID. Yeah, um, if you so, don't have access, we'll get you enrolled in yeah, access. Yeah, that's what our family coaches are here for. Yeah, too, and we so. can also administer pregnancy tests if they know they're pregnant, but they don't have yeah. like a positive yeah. test, per se. Yeah, um, so, yeah, so... I like to make the intake process um, just uh, client friendly. Um, it's just a way, you know, to get to know the mom, um, to get to know what she's been through. Um, and I guess the ultimate goal is, you know, are we the right place for the mom at this time in their life? Um, if not, to figure out, you know, what the right resource is. But um, it is just, you know, getting to know them. Um, you know, getting to know their history, um, and through that, you know, to find the right resources as well. So if the, the mom provides, you know, that she has been through some abuse, provide her with the right um, resources or for the family coach to be able to uh, notice that and then provide the, the right, um, maybe additional counseling or um, support groups, things like that. Um, so yeah, and it, I guess it just depends how, you know, the mom or how much the mom wants to disclose. Sometimes I've had intakes that are about an hour and a half to two hours. Um, we all, you know, go through different things in life. And so uh, moms, some moms go through really hard things. And I feel like when they come to the office, it's a way of them to having a break um, and to talk to them for a second, you know, to talk to someone for a second. Um, I feel like even that is really helpful for them to be able to process their life um, for a minute, um, to have someone to hear, you know, what they've been through in the last, you know, few months or a year sometimes, you know. Um, so I, who's the mom who sticks out in your head uh, that recently that that was, you know, calling over and over again? Can you kind of walk us through a, a couple stories of a mom who worked really hard to get in, that you kind of saw them go through that process. Yeah, okay, um, so I get the intake, um, we just recently um, had an intake with a mom uh, who is receiving services from Community Medical Services. Um, For those of you that listen to our podcast, we had John on in episode two from Community Medical Services and we talked about us having a mutual referral process with them and really trying to establish a, a great way to collaborate on the opioid crisis that's facing the nation. Yeah, and I don't think we 
we got so so lucky i get i don't know um the mom is amazing from the moment she found out she was pregnant she went to seek help um she has taken a huge huge role you know in in wanting to be better um so she has researched you know um the treatment that she's on and knows how to advocate for herself which is amazing um but she's doing all the steps that she needs to to have a healthy baby um and and to be able to keep her baby which is the fear for a lot of these um women who are on the methadone treatment um but i guess the it just stands out to me because i'm learning with her you know the entire process of signing ROIs, of like who the point of or point of contact will be with community medical services, and um, because I I am the family coach at the house she's living at, um, I'm also working closely with her, which is a huge, huge thing for me. Um, so she just um, actually for her it was, I think I really believe um, one in prayer. So I really believe in prayer. And around that time, I think um, some intakes weren't working out uh, for one reason or another. Um, and I think it's just God preparing, you know, that space for certain um, intake moms. I really do believe that. Um, and so I think she called just the one time at nine o'clock. She qualified because we were now accepting moms who are on methadone and we set up set up the appointment and it, it felt so easy but um it's just it's not you know during intake it, it's hard to to learn what she's been through um alicia can you clarify um mo moms that are on methadone you mentioned that a fear of having their baby taken i'm unfamiliar with that so for those of those listening yeah um, so typically um DCS will become involved um, if there is, you know, history of uh, opioid uh, use or addiction uh, or heroin because method methadone is used to treat um, all of those. And so um, it depends, you know, how long uh, ago or when they like they were using when they started the methadone treatment. Um, but basically they're they're there you know to make sure that the baby is safe and that the mom is not going to be using anymore right um and so this program is great because they have case managers there and counselors at community medical services um that will put um an entire portfolio for the mom to make sure that they they, they record when they've received their doses um and to know that they're on the path to recovery. Wow, what an amazing collaboration. I know just in talking with John that second episode, how passionate he was about helping moms here at Maggie's Place. Yeah, well, and I think it's, you know, everyone from community medical services that we've that we've talked to, um, you know, it's, it's the idea of the power of collaboration because they can do their amazing work to help people overcome their addiction, but if you have to leave their their clinic and return home, and there's still 
you know, people and you're being exposed still to violence or to, um, you know, things that to other people who are still involved in their addiction, it, it becomes really hard for you to stick with yours. So I think that, or, you know, if you're, if you're leaving their clinic and sleeping on the streets, it's, it's really hard to stay sober. So that's why I think it's, it's so important that we have these collaborations because you, they have to treat the addiction, but they have to be in a safe and secure place to, to really help them be able to maintain their sobriety. And so they're really great to help, um, help make sure they're managing their entire, um, you know, from the counseling to the, to, the to the clinicians, to the clinic doctors and nurses, they're managing all of their medications and, and the doses, like she was saying, and, and the treatment plan, um, you know, the counseling and peer support that they're available to offer, and then really helping them prepare to deal with child protective services at the birth, and, and really be able, just like we do, and our family coaches do, to be able to show their progress and their hard work to, um, to DCS, which is Child Protective Services. So I know we um, <laughs> throw acronyms around a lot, like any profession, so we're gonna try to make sure that we define these. So, um, yeah, so I think, um, and, and who's a mom who, that's a very smooth process of getting in, right? Even though um, I'm like, oh, I'm glad it seems smooth because it, it took us about six to eight months to really secure yeah. that collaboration and get everything in place, like what you were saying, all the MOUs yeah. and ROIs. So, um, basically the paperwork uh, to get it to get it into place um, so that's amazing but who hasn't had tell us about someone who hasn't had an easy time to get in um, so I I'm gonna share a, a time of a mom who, who didn't actually end up moving in because she received other housing um, but it was the sweetest uh, time working with her because so she had been calling, right, and calling back and calling back for like two weeks. Um, and then I had an urgent call from a hospital uh, social worker. Um, you know, there was a, a pregnant mom who was going to be discharged. And so I was like, maybe maybe I'll call this other. So, and then we had an intake or an opening available. Um, and so the mom that had been calling for like two weeks, um, at least had a place to stay with a friend, you know, but this other mom was being discharged from the hospital, didn't have anywhere to go, was going to go to the streets, basically. Um, and so I called that mom, that intake mom that had been calling for two weeks. I said, hey, you know, I, I had this urgent uh, intake uh, call. Um, would you be willing to, you know, hold off for like a week or, you know, um, I don't know if I if we had maybe a scheduled intake that was moving out um, at the Michael house so I think that's why I, I got the courage to ask her um, because it's such a del delicate thing you know like I wouldn't typically do that but this mom said yes because she had somewhere to stay with a friend for at least a few weeks and I explained to her you know about the other mom and she said yes um, and then so yeah, then I got to schedule the other intake with a mom that was being discharged. Um, in the end, to be honest, ne neither of them worked out, but I think it, it was, you know, um, 
just so beautiful that people are willing to do that for one another, you know? Um, and, but yeah, I have moms calling for like a couple of months yeah. before they can get in. I've and had so, that when I've answered, they've been calling. Because you, yeah. you can go back on the log and see yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, they've been calling for months. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's it just gets harder, to be honest with you, um, to keep calling back. Because I don't just like check them off on my list, you right. know, and say, oh, they called again. Right. No, like I always call them back. Yeah. Um, and then I think it gets to a point where I'm like, would you still like me to keep calling you back? Or... Or do you just want me to call you back when we do have an opening, you know, and I've noticed that you're the first person to leave me a voicemail. Um, But no, I think people just really typically appreciate us calling them back. Um, I don't don't think we realize how lonely people are through this this process. And so always calling back is the answer. So I know we were um, talking earlier about um, (coughs) moms kind of you know, just listening to their stories and, and being inspired by how they're able to manage so many things going on at the same time, whether it be a DCS case or, you know, a different, a different circumstance that they're dealing with. And um, I'm just always so amazed at what they're able to kind of take on, especially those that are coming out of, or, or that are, you know, in beginning stages of their sobriety. Um, and you know the women are so intellectual but they have the greatest resources here I feel like at Maggie's place because you have your family coach and they're able to tackle things from budgeting to DCS cases and be the be their advocate and I just think that it's so important that to recognize how much these women are dealing with and it's just not all from one, you know, one area in their life. Tell us about the the hard in this job. Like, what is hard about doing the intake line, which I already know the answer because uh-huh. I did it. And I, I have to say I could not do your job. Like, yeah. I, the few weeks I've done it, I was about to start putting... Letting moms move in and living on couches. <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> I was about to put one person in my house in our guest like, bedroom. I like, asked Alicia, Alicia, how how do you not take this job home? Oh, I you know, and I know that that's hard for yes. for you for anyone that could do that job with such dignity and grace. But yeah, tell us about the hard <laughs> because I have a lot of respect for that job because like I've. Oh my gosh, I did it, I remember I did it for a couple of weeks in the summer, last summer, and I was like, I'm about to start putting mattresses in our counseling rooms and yeah. <laughs> filling our, which I know we can't do, right? Because right. it's not good for the overall house. So, anyways. There's a few, there's a lot of things that are hard. Um, the, yeah, the first one would be um, saying no to people because we don't have the capacity. Um, I think every time we say no, I text Julie, can we have another house? Can we have another house? Can we have a house for, you know, for this or for that, for specific needs, you know? Um, that's just, it's just hard and it's heartbreaking because um, I can't do more, you know? Um, so saying no is definitely hard. Um hearing very hard things um, about abuse or neglect, you know, that the moms have experienced as, you know, ch- when they were when they were children or kids, young kids, um, 
is really heartbreaking. Um, having a hundred callbacks in one day, um, and just um, sometimes I go home and I'm like, no one talk to me. I, I can't talk anymore. My throat hurts. I need water, tons of water. Um, on those really hard days, um, I just lay in my office sometimes <laughs> and like take a break because right. it is a lot, yeah. a lot of callbacks and a lot of, um, you just hear a lot of hard things, you know, um, but I think we, we do a really good job here at processing things. Otherwise, I'd probably go crazy. Um, so processing things with Julie, with Emily, um, who's just, you know, across the way from my office. And so if I have a, a hard intake or a hard call even sometimes, um, I just go straight to her office and I don't even ask for permission anymore. I just sit there, you know, <laughs> I just sit there and, and I tell her, you know, either ask for help or help me process this. What do we do? Um Poor Emily, does she still have space available in her office? There were boxes everywhere. <laughs> no, we did not have enough space here. It's definitely an issue. And then tell us, what is the good? I mean, I feel like the you do such a great job, I think, of being compassionate and being a good listener and and so non-judgmental. Thank you. Thanks. So tell us. What is the good? Like, what do you see as the good in your job? Like, why do you keep coming back? Yeah. Why have you not quit? Yeah. <laughs> not no. that we want you to. <laughs> I think we, the, we won't let you. the good outweighs the, the bad. Um, what I find really exciting is, like, coming back or coming to Fiat um, and seeing that mom that just moved in about a week ago or a couple of days ago and already feeling like family, you know, or like, oh, my gosh, hi, you know, like knowing her name um, knowing that she's here and that she's in a safe place, you know, um, or just last Thursday, we had a class here in the evening, um, and a mom who I did an intake for, um, she had her seven week old baby. And I think those are the really good moments, right? Um, and just knowing that she's working hard for that, like, like you have a, a little baby now, you know, and that's always a reminder of why we do that. Um, whether you're a mom or not, you know, I think uh, when you see those babies, when you see that mom feel safe and secure that she'll be able to provide for this baby, um, I think is, you know, the priceless. So. And Alicia also teaches a class. I, a couple. A couple classes. <laughs> I always forget. <laughs> so she teaches car seat safety, right? Yes. But tell us a little bit about, which is really important. Very and important. And we provide all moms with a car seat and a stroller. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we want to make sure they can safely use it to transport baby and cabs. Um, Access, which is our state-provided health insurance, um, will provide transportation like to and from doctor's appointments um, and, you know, any medical-related medical or mental or behavioral health services. So they'll be putting their babies in car seats um, I always have people ask me, they're like, why do homeless women need car seats? And I'm like, well, they're transporting their children in cabs and, and, right. and Ubers and, yes. and on the bus. And we want these babies in car seats. So, um, and then a lot of times if they're, you know, if they're living with us, they're usually gaining employment and working to, to get a car. And so we want to have one 
have one then. Um, and then you also teach a class called Art Heals, which I think is a really special oh, class. Yeah. Lisa is a really gifted artist. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah. So tell us a l- little bit about um, about Art Heals and what you guys do in class and why you think it. Why does that class matter? Why is it always full? Yeah. Um, it's a neat space um, for moms just to take a breather. Um, we I borrowed. Um, uh, curriculum. There oh, you go. Yeah. Okay. Like, Spanish, Spanish, Spanish. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So Art Heels. Um, I borrowed a curriculum from a friend. Um, her name's Noelle. Um, and she, she's so amazing. Um, she's so intentional about you know helping people heal through art. And so, um, we start off with breathing exercises and always end with breathing exercises. I think it's, you know, in the beginning, moms were like, I just want to take a nap, you know, like after doing this breathing exercise or whatever. Um, So yeah, so we have like breathing exercises and then we go into very intentional um, art, um, art, um, curriculum art uh, exercises exercises activities yes. activities that's better one <coughs> into our activities um my favorite is when we get to collage and we Ooh, have i love um, collaging yeah we have a goal or um think of how your life is maybe or what's a hard thing in your life and then what you want it to be like and you know in the future or um, and so moms really enjoy that. I think having the freedom to dream um, and then just putting it on paper, um, it just it makes it feel more attainable, I think. Um, it's just like writing down your goals. I feel like right. it works so much better when we yeah. just get them out, you know? Um, I have a, a, I teach a, voice, a class called Voice for the moms who've already moved out of our homes um, here <coughs> at our outreach center. And I had a mom, we were doing something on goals. And she said, Maggie's Place is the first place that ever asked me about my goals. Like, no yeah, one ever asked me about my goals or my dreams. Yeah. So I think it's really important that we that we do that and we, we help our moms think about the future. And so yeah. like we definitely want to help them heal from the past, but we want to teach them to live in the present and to you know, have goals and dreams for the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, One of my favorites um, is called Hero, one of the exercises. And um, we have a lot of moms who are really good writers. Um, So we write a poem, uh, The Hero in Me. And so um, we forget about, you know, maybe we've made some mistakes in life, right? Um, But there's still a hero in us, you Mm -hmm. know? Who doesn't um, make mistakes? Right. Um, I made about 10 on my way here today. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Since the morning we wake up there. So they get to write a poem about the hero in them. Um, and also we get to draw that hero. Um, and if they want, because some people um, are more like visual. And so they really enjoy the, the drawing part. But... Um, I think, again, when we write everything down, it just it makes it more, much more real for the moms to believe that they are heroes, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's really hard when moms can't think of, like, why they would be a hero to their child or to their family member. And so it's a really good space to, 
even like other moms jump in, right? Like we, if a mom's having a hard time thinking of why they're a hero, we have some very sweet moms that, you know, will just um, give them, you know, the words that they're missing or the encouragement that they're missing. And I think that's so powerful, you know, that our very own moms are empowering each other. And so I, I love Art Heels. Um, and I think it's really important that our moms focus on breaking this cycle of shame, right? Yes. You have to break the cycle of of guilt and shame for your past. And you have to let, let those feelings go mm-hmm. and begin to learn to live in the present, right? Yes. And, and, and dream of the future. And, and that's like truly understanding hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we need a Maggie's Place calendar <laughs> with... Um, the hero in me. Maybe that's what yes. it should be called. Yes. Oh my gosh. Good idea. <laughs> Etsy. With all, the different, exactly. with all the different. I love yes. that. Yeah. I think yeah. that would be neat. Some note cards. Good job's list. Hold on. <laughs> Please pause. I'm going to write down our new marketing idea. <laughs> Any printing companies out there? Printing companies? Yes. Printing services. I think that's so beautiful. If you let go of the shame and the guilt you're able to function, I think, in the present. Mm-hmm. And I think that's with anything it goes across. And, and I, as a mom, I believe that you are dealing with so much and it's hard to take five minutes to either yeah. breathe, let alone collage. Yeah. <laughs> I know I don't think about that on Monday mornings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And to have, for so many of our moms that come, I think it's, to have a space where someone will will watch your children and mm-hmm. feed them and play with them and and you know you can have a meal while you're here and you know yeah. different things like that. So so tell us as we get ready to close like what do you think is your like what do you what what do you want to tell anyone who's listening and I think we we have had how many listeners think you are getting more? Are we? Yeah. Yay. We're not at our goals yet, though, so please share our podcast with your friends. We're at 897. Okay, wow. what do you want to tell 897 listeners about homelessness and in, in Maricopa County and Arizona and throughout the world? Because we're, we really represent, right? Yeah. Maricopa County is very representative of the U.S. So, so as someone who's living it 20 hours a week, answering the phone and what what would you want to tell people what do you want to tell 895 soon to be over a thousand listeners (laughs) first off um just always think of how you can help someone um we 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 don't know what a person is going through by just like looking at them um I don't know, always be willing to see um, further uh, than appearances um, and always willing to help someone in need. Um, I do have a lot of people who, like I said, it's not just the intake mom calling. I do get a lot of calls from friends or family members. And so even that, like you don't know how you're going to change someone's life by just picking up a phone um, and trying to look for some resources for people. And then for the intake mom, just to always keep calling. And like I can assure you, if if you keep calling, you'll, you'll get in eventually, you know, but it, it just takes some consistency 
um, and know that it always return your call. So, and be the good, right? Let's be the good and uplift each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank thanks you for coming on. Yes. So, um, something that we're planning as we continue into the spring is to um, re to play portions of different moms' intakes. We want to do, uh, you know, small series where we do like a little, a few fifteen-minute podcasts, just kind of letting you see a mom go, a few moms going through the intake process and then we'll follow that mom as they enter the home. So, so that will be coming as moms, um, as we have some openings and we have moms permission to, to use the, their voice and their story. Um, that is something that we really want to share is to, to let the listeners hear, um, some, some parts of their intake and, and the process and the whole process and finding housing when you're you know, alone and scared and pregnant and in a big city that has very limited resources right now for, yeah. for the homeless. So thank you so much, Alicia. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And lastly, here at Maggie's Place, we believe there is good in the world and we want you to be the good. To support Maggie's Place, you can now make donations on Anchor to our nonprofit organization. Your donation makes a world of a difference. All donations are tax deductible. No donation is too big nor too small. As always, we can do small things with great love. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, don't forget to hit that notification bell on your Anchor app to get notified of any upcoming episodes. And don't forget to favorite us as well. If you'd like to learn more information about how you can make a year of a difference, please visit maggiesplace.org. That's maggiesplace.org.